Jesus. We lift up our hands and thank him for the presence we feel in this place. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Brother and Sister Hoppy, those songs are, uh, some of those songs earlier, I couldn't quite sing all the words, uh, but I remember them a little bit. And it was some of those songs. I was in a service like this back home in Ottawa, Calvary Church. Those are the only songs that, that we sing. I think even now, those are the only songs that we sing. And I remember a moment as a 15-year-old, cigarettes on my breath, high and drunk the night before, coming into a setting just like this, just like this. And, and the, the choir singing and the preacher preaching. And I remember at a moment, I felt, you know what? Nothing else matters but Jesus. And it was that day I came to the front and God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in new tongues, and I was changed forever. That's how powerful God moved. There's a moment that as a 37-year-old, I can look back on at 15, where God was real, and God was powerful, and God came in and changed my life and resurrected my family. And that is the God that we serve. And I'm thankful, and Sister Davis, I, I appreciate and receive the word you shared to this congregation. I believe this morning is going to be the most important morning in someone's life today. I believe God is gonna change and do the miraculous. And it's not cliche, just because, oh, I'm on the schedule to speak, I sit behind this sacred desk and God is going to use me. It has nothing to do with who is up here. It has everything to do about how we respond to what God wants us to do, how we respond to his word. And I believe God wants to do a miracle tonight, amen? I believe God wants to heal someone this morning, amen? If you believe that, let's call on the name of the Lord together, King Jesus. Your presence is in this place. Right now, oh Lord God, challenge us. Shape us, mold us, change us, help us today. God, there's people in this place that need you. They need direction. They need hope. They need baptism. They need healing. Lord, unleash your power upon this place. Make yourself so real to us. Make your direction so known to us, oh Lord God, and help us to walk into this end time revival as being a part of your revival. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, I feel his presence in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles or you could turn your attention to the screen to Luke chapter 15, we're going to look at verse 17 through 20. And I feel like Bishop Dugas, when he do that, because he can't see anything, I could have sworn... Brother and Sister Webb, Chris Webb and Natalie Webb, with us. Oh, we miss you. By chance, did you come home to stay? Just to visit? Okay, we'll take the visit. We're thankful of the great work that God is, uh, is doing with them in union. In fact, I spoke to their pastor, Jordan Booker. Uh, I believe it was about a week and a half ago we had a conversation on the phone. Every time my Toronto Raptors uh, beat his Milwaukee Bucks, I call him and let him know that and see how he's doing. And um, 
he couldn't stop bragging about brother and sister Webb and how God is using them and we're so thankful um, I'm thankful for all those that are here for for a seasons or seasons then go off we, we don't like it when they leave but we love to hear the reports about God doing the miraculous and we're so thankful for them Luke chapter 15 verse 17 through 20 a very familiar portion of scripture to many of us but I believe it is very important uh, to go through this eve this morning I think it's morning it's evening somewhere verse 17 it says this and when he came to himself that would be the famed prodigal son he said how many hired servants of my fathers have have bread enough had to spare and I perish with hunger I will rise and go to my father and will say unto him father I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son make me as one of thy hired servants and he arose and came to his father but when he was yet a great way off his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and the title of my message this morning is simply this in a moment in a moment I'm thankful for a father that loves us I'm thankful for a God that heals and deliver us Lord God I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this service right now God right now I bind and rebuke every evil spirit that would try to hinder and distract would bring upon condemnation and guilt Lord God we receive conviction and repentance in this house open up our eyes to see you our ears to hear you touch us today in Jesus name and everyone said amen you may be seated in a moment moments can be a powerful thing I'm not sure if there's anything more exciting than certain particular sporting moments where we could look back on and say I remember when that happened and it could be wrong I, this could be a room full of many people that disregard sports and that is okay there's nothing wrong with that but does anyone remember the king of clutch David freeze down to his last strike became a World Series hero for the st. Louis Cardinals anyone remember that guy was it 2011 or how about the memorable last play of Super Bowl 34 known as the tackle where Mike Jones makes a miraculous last-second takedown that gave the st. Louis Rams their first and only Super Bowl championship and then in one of the most dramatic upsets in Olympic history the underdog US hockey team made up of young college players defeated the four-time defending gold medal winning Soviet team in what was known as the miracle on ice as that game came to a close do you believe in miracles anyone remember that game I remember brother Graham would share I believe he was on a school bus coming back from a trip and they were listening to it on the radio and they were cheering he said he wasn't quite sure what hockey was but they were just cheering that the United States has won and then of course then there's what's known as the golden goal at the 2010 Winter Olympic Games where Sidney Crosby scored in a sudden sudden death overtime defeating Team USA and making Canada gold medal champions which could be the most iconic sports moment in Canadian history pastor I couldn't resist I'm sorry life is filled with moments 
I remember my father talking about when he was in the classroom in Canada when they found out that JFK was assassinated. He remembered vividly as a teacher ran in to the classroom saying, he's gone, he's gone. That moment the classroom knew that the President of the United States was gone. Of course, the moment when man first landed on the moon or when the Twin Towers went down. Different moments in life, different experiences have the ability to shape our direction, change our outlook on things from small moments to large moments back to small moments. Like getting your driver's license for the first time. Graduating from high school, getting married, your first real job promotion, buying your first home, having your first child, having your first grandchild, can't imagine that. Retirement, life is made up of countless sequences of experiences, and much of it is forgotten over time, but certain memorable moments can endure for as long as we live. A moment is defined as a short amount of time, though the actual amount of time can vary. The phrase usually refers to a few minutes to a few seconds. So a day which consists of 24 hours, which contains 1,440 minutes, which holds 86,400 seconds. It takes just one of those seconds to create a moment that changes everything. A defining moment is a point at which an es the essential character of a person is established. It is an identity-forming event, something that makes someone who they are and flows through their behavior. It can be an achievement or a failure, something you do or something done to or for you. Anyone have a moment, a moment that changed your life forever? Throughout the Bible, we see God directing history in a single moment of time. And people in the individual moments of their lives. Take Moses, for example, while tending to the day-to-day -day needs of Jethro's flocks. Moses chanced to look up at a mountain and saw a burning bush that did not burn. And it was out of that common laborer's moment, he was prepared to lead God's people out of Egyptian bondage. Just a moment. David experienced his defining moment when he went out against Goliath with nothing but a few smooth stones and a sling and the power of God in his life. Or Daniel's experience of the moment when he refused to eat the king's meat and drink the king's wine so that he may obey his God. Moment that changed the direction of Scripture forever. Such defining moments are often caused by what psychologist Abram Maslow famously coined the term peak experience to denote sudden feelings of intense well-being that fills us with wonder and awe. Peak experiences often involve an epiphany or aha! This moment that occurs suddenly typically during a period of emotional turmoil.
And in an instant, we have an insight that is entirely new and deeply meaningful, an epiphany that can reorder all of our priorities. I don't know about you, but I've had, some of us have had one moment. I've had six or seven moments where God has stepped in and directed my life and our, our entire life, our entire journey is based on important moments. Now, many in this room are familiar with the story of the prodigal son, which we revealed in our text this morning. Charles Dickens said the story of the prodigal son was one of the greatest short stories ever told. Even William Shakespeare borrowed plots and motifs from the parable and adopted them in some of his poetry and dramas. The story can also be found in hundreds of years old paintings worth hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars. It's a famous story. And in the story, the son sets, gets his money, and what does he do? Grabs his father's inheritance and goes off into a far country. He enjoys his time at first, but soon the money runs out, and a famine hits the land, and he's hungry and got nowhere to turn. So he finds a job working as a professional swine manager known as feeding pigs. And that's when everything changes. I couldn't imagine what it would be like for a Jewish man that looks at swine as being unclean, has to feed the swine, and then is tempted and compelled to eat what the pigs are eating. That is a low moment. So from there he returns home and his father accepts him with open arms and it's a beautiful story illustrating God's redemption. And I'm thankful for a father that has his arms out saying, come home. I don't care who you are or where you're from or where you've been or who you're with, but I love you and I want you to come home. And I'm thankful for the open arms of the church through my youth and by young adult years of mistakes and addiction, yet there was always a pastor, there was always a church family, there was always a father that said, you know what, who cares? Come home, come home. See, but for me, the story takes an important turn with a single defining moment, and that moment is not when he went home. That moment is not when the father stood out with his hands wide and ran to him. But I believe the moment that changed forever was in Luke 15, 17, for the King James Version says, and when he came to himself. He's sitting in that swine pen, full of filth, literally starving to death. And at a moment, the New International Version says, he came to his senses. Early translation, translations indicate that the verses interpreted that he got smart. He thought to himself. He took an interest on himself. At that very moment, he thought enough is enough. And it was a moment of clarity. It was a moment of brutal honesty that changed his life forever. He knew at that moment, I have got to get out of here. I've got to get out of what scripture says, a distant country and return to my father's house. 
And he came to his sentence and he told himself, get up. And he got up and he came home. Luke 15, known as the lost chapter, shares three interesting stories. But I always felt that the prodigal son was much different than the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Because if you look at the lost sheep and the lost coin, they were, well, they were hopelessly lost. They could do nothing to find themselves. In a sense, it was sheep or dumb. That's why they have shepherds. It was the sheep's, it wasn't the sheep's fault. Dumb sheep. For any of you guys that love sheep, I love sheep too. They're just dumb. People get offended so easily, I want to clarify. Sheep are okay. They make good lamb chops too. But I will say that the sheep was dumb. It wasn't the sheep's fault. And the coin, a coin doesn't get lost on its own. The owner loses it. It's up to the owner to find it. But I noticed something interesting about the prodigal son. The father didn't leave the house. Did the father worry about him? I'm sure. Did the father look out the window from time to time? I bet. I'm a dad. I'd be doing the same. But this particular father did not look for him. He missed him. He was so happy to see him, but he did not seek after him. See, the prodigal son had to get up and decide for himself. And sometimes, sometimes we have to acknowledge the pig pen before we can ever recognize the deep ache to be home where we belong. And it's up to us to get out of that situation and to go home, to get out of that far off country and come back home. See, a far off country wasn't measured by distance. A far off country was anywhere that was away from God. A far off country is a world without God or forgetful of God. A far off country is wherever you are not in fellowship with God. Your life is a far off country if God is not in it. So he had to leave the country and come home. If you want your moment with Jesus, you're going to have to go after him. If you want your miracle, the theologians could prove me wrong, but I didn't see Jesus running after anybody. Did he run after? Did he go searching? No, but the Bible says in Luke 6, 19, and the whole multitude sought to touch him for they went virtue out of him and healed them all. There comes a moment where we have to take a stand and say enough is enough. I am tired of being tired. I'm tired of this famine. I need to go home. But the guilt and the self-condemnation is horrific. And too often, it prevents you and I from going home because we're worried if arms would be open. If our musicians could come, I'm coming to a close. My best friend in the entire world back in 2019 overdosed on heroin 
He was my best friend in the entire world. I loved him. We did everything together. Then he got heavy into drugs and God saved me and brought me to Gateway and I became a missionary to the United States. And, and uh, I wasn't able to make it to the funeral. So I spoke with one of our good friends that was there. And uh, my friend had a little bit too much in his system and he knew that something was wrong with him. So he called his dad. He said, Dad, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm in a really bad place. I gotta get out of here. Dad, I need you. And his dad said, come home, son. Come home. But dad, I don't, I don't think I can do it. Come home, son. He yelled on the phone, he pleaded with, just come home. We don't care what you look like. We don't care where you've been. We don't care how high you are, son. Just come home. Amen. 45 minutes later, he took his final dose of heroin and he died. And one of the reasons why he said he didn't want to come home is because he didn't want to disappoint his dad anymore. He didn't want to be a disappointment to his family. And he was someone that had straight A's, had the ability to be, I mean, he could have been an astronaut. Man was incredible. But he fell so deep in his sin, he felt like he couldn't get out. And so too often we hear the preacher preach, pastor and moms and dads compel our children, come home. But we're so scared about what people think terrified that we might fail again. We're terrified that things just won't be the same. Ah, story kind of haunts me a little bit. 15 minutes, if he just would have got up and went home, he'd be alive today, who knows? Maybe he could have, maybe I could have done something. Maybe I could have reached out to him, taught him a Zoom Bible study, I don't know bring him to church and there's too many that just they feel compelled even you you're in this place and you just you want to come home and we're all different from all walks of life so I, what is a far country mean it doesn't mean that you're backslid it doesn't mean that you're far off it could mean both the truth is is I have no idea I don't have super Holy Ghost power I didn't step behind this pulpit with an individual in mind I just know that somebody in this place has been in a far off con country for too long. You've been gone for too long. You've been hanging around with the wrong people for too long. You've been watching garbage for too long. You've been messing around for too long. And some come to church and run the camera and be in the altar and they're apart. But for so long you've sat in these pews in a distant country where God is saying, come home. And we think it's so hard to come home, but pastor, it's just a single moment. One moment. One moment in a pig pen where we realize, you know what, I'm going home. It doesn't matter. And what I love about Jesus, our God, our Savior, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, is he is literally, he's a God of single moments. In a moment, he healed a sick son. 
In a moment, he cured a woman's fever. In a moment, he healed a man's leprosy. In a moment, he healed a paralyzed servant. In a moment, he raised a child from the dead. In a moment, he calmed a storm. In a moment, he provided food for thousands of starving individuals. In a moment, he cured demon-possessed men. In a moment, he cured a woman with a blood issue. In a moment, he opened the eyes of the blind. One moment with God changes everything. And he took finite human moments out of each of his days to minister to those who went to him. We can all stand. Maybe you have an addiction that's holding you back. Maybe you have a secret sin that is holding you back. Maybe you have a situation at home that's holding you back. Maybe it's your finances that's holding you back. But in a moment, he can restore a failed marriage. In a moment, he can wipe away depression. In a moment, he can provide finances. In a moment, he can heal cancer. In a moment, he can break addiction. In a moment, he can set you free. In a moment, he can give you peace. In a moment, you can have victory. If we could have some of our prayer partners to come to the front. Brother and Sister Norris, if you may, if you come up here. Brother Scott, if you're here, if you, if you can come up. Sister Davis, if you can make your way up here. Brother Saucer. Brother Will, Sister Lori, Brother and Sister Burns. Just need you to come around the front here. I know from experience, see in the apostolic church what we do is we say come up to the altar. Most of us don't even know what is an altar. Well what an altar is, is an altar is where sacrifices are made. An altar is a safe place where we can come. And there's something so profound and so incredible to come to an altar and be prayed for. If we can come over here, I'm sorry, I didn't give anyone certain places. Thank you. And I know that sometimes we get intimidated. Who's going to be the first one to come to the front? There were so many times I, I stopped myself. I held back because I didn't know what people would think if I stepped out of an aisle and came to the front. But the truth is that sometimes these far off countries, they're a part of our own decisions. Sometimes they're a part of other people's decisions. I'll say this time and time again, it is not your fault that you were abused as a child. But I've worked and seen so many people where they spend decades blaming themselves. It's not your fault your husband left you. We hold on to things. Some of us, we did make inappropriate decisions that have affected us. Some of us are, are, are in relationships or, or living a secret lifestyle that no one knows about where we need healing. The point is that it don't. We don't care what you did. You can come home. I called people up here who I would trust with my deepest, darkest secrets right up here. I call up individuals that pray for me every single day. 
so I want to open this altar. And I want to invite that one moment that can change your life. You don't have to be stuck in famine anymore. We need some prayer warriors right now. I'm opening up these altars if you need healing in your body, if you need healing in your spirit, if you need healing in your finances, if you need healing in cancer, if you need direction, if you need hope.